You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I'm going to be asking you, are you and your pets ready for a zombie apocalypse? Several years ago, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ran this brilliant advertising campaign asking this same question. It basically was a campaign to educate people on disaster preparedness. Let's face it. Preparing for a disaster isn't sexy. It's not something most people want to think about until the disaster strikes and then we have panic and mayhem due to the lack of planning. So I'm going to be sharing tips today on how to prepare for a variety of disasters and I'll even throw in a zombie apocalypse just to keep your interest. More when Get Positive Results come back on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. It's dinner time in America. Where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands. Like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Years ago, I think it was 2011, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the shortcut for that is CDC, ran an advertising campaign about preparing for a zombie apocalypse. They wanted to help teach people about disaster preparedness, and they wanted to get their attention about it. If you live in an area at risk for tornadoes, floods, fires, or hurricanes and being in South Carolina, we know all about tornadoes and hurricanes, you probably know how important this planning is. But do you do it? I mean, most of us don't. First of all, planning for disasters is depressing. You don't want to think about it. 
It's something that you know you really should do, but you've got much more immediate concerns on the horizon. So you want to get those things over with first. If you've got to get the oil change in the car, heck, if you even have to do your taxes or filing, you're going to do that before disaster preparedness. People just have a tendency to put it off. I think another reason is that people think it's never going to happen to them. I guarantee you the people sitting at the shelters after they've had to evacuate probably thought it would never happen to them either. So it really, really is important. And another way to look at it, maybe one that hits a little closer to home, is that what if there's a smaller emergency? Maybe it doesn't have to be this great flood or terrible hurricane or tornado. What if it's a life little emergency that causes you to have to leave your home? One example I can give you from my personal experience is that I was out of town, and I travel quite a bit for a variety of reasons, but I do speaking engagements and things elsewhere, and I I speak at conferences and attend conferences for my own continuing education. And at the time, I had this wonderful pet sitter who would move into the house with the boys. I had two dogs at the time and an elderly cat. And I got a call from her late at night saying that our air conditioning had died. Now, I live in South Carolina, if you haven't been able to tell from the slight accent. And this was August. It was regularly 105, 110 in the day. So I knew that the next day was going to be bad. Plus, I had this senior cat, and I didn't want him to suffer because of this. Well, she was a wonderful pet sitter, and her boyfriend went to an all-night department store that was open all night and bought all these fans and plugged them in all over the house. Because thank goodness the electricity was still on. Just the air conditioner died. And we had fans on all the pets. They were wonderful and they were proactive. So it does make you think, though, if you are ever leaving to go out of town and you leave your animals in the care of a neighbor, of a friend, or even a professional pet sitter or boarding facility, what is their disaster plan? Because they need to have one, too. This was a great pet sitter. She was very proactive, very inventive, and she took good care of my pets. That same air conditioning system, by the way, zonked out on me a couple weeks later when I was home. And again, I was faced with a really hot house house with my poor senior cat and my two dogs who really didn't deserve to be in that kind of heat either. So luckily, my escape plan was that I had my parents. You always end up calling your mommy, don't you? Called my mommy. She only lived about 15 minutes away at the time. And they were more than happy to take the grand dogs and the grand cat in for the day until I finally got the thing fixed. It took them a couple tries to get it fixed. But I did have a plan. I knew what to do. The pet sitter knew what to do when I was out of town. Honestly, until that point, it had never occurred to me to make sure my pet sitter had a plan for something like that. So now it does. And I had a plan that was very convenient that should something happen that I have to get the animals out of the house, they could go to my folks' house and I'd cleared it with them ahead of time. So we don't always have to think about big disasters. What if it's something stupid like your air conditioning going out or a gas leak where you've got to get out of there really, really quickly and you have to take your pets? Well, the CDC had this idea to talk about zombie apocalypse. Who would have thought the CDC has a sense of humor? I thought that was pretty funny. But it worked. You know, traffic to their emergency preparedness website increased by 1,143% from the previous year. Those are crazy numbers. People really identified with it. And they also had this, again, huge social media boom. 
everybody was talking about it and people learned what they needed to do. I don't know if they did any follow-up work on whether people took action, but at least that information was getting to people where it wasn't getting to them before. So I'm going to borrow some tips from the CDC and hats off to them for the zombie apocalypse idea. Zombies are really hot right now. There's movies out. There's The Walking Dead. You might or might not be a fan, but we're going to talk about zombie apocalypse and tornadoes and hurricanes. Uh, We've already had our first hurricane of the season. Uh, It was a tropical storm, Arthur, and it got upgraded to a hurricane. It bypassed us here in South Carolina, but it did hit North Carolina and some of the more northern states. So we are right in the heart of hurricane season. I remember when I first moved down here, I grew up in Maryland, and I had come to the University of South Carolina to study and I moved into my dorm room. It was very exciting. It was very young, first time away from home. And the resident advisor started giving us all the information we needed about the campus and what was expected of the rules of the residence hall, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, and here are your tips for hurricane season preparedness. I remember thinking, season? What do you mean, season? Season implies more than one on a regular basis. What are you talking about hurricane season? I grew up in Maryland. I don't remember them ever talking about hurricane seasons. I mean, surely the storms do get up that high. But again, I was younger, so it may have been just at the time that my parents worried about it more than I did. But this was my first adult experience with there's a season and you need to be prepared. And sure enough, they gave us these tips for, you know, go to the most central part of the building. Uh, By the way, here in South Carolina, we don't have a lot of basements. So normally in a tornado situation, you would probably head for your basement, but we don't have a lot of them here. They certainly weren't a lot of them on campus. And so that's why the tip was during tornadoes, which often spin off of hurricanes to go to the most central part of the dorm at the time. But they had all these tips and uh, it was scary. It was absolutely scary to think that there was the season where this would occur. And then as what happens with all of these things, you put it in the back of your mind, you start going to classes, you start hanging out with your friends, and you forget about these things until, of course, it strikes. So these tips that I'm going to give you today are for any general disaster that forces you to evacuate your home. It could be for whatever reason. I know we've got folks in California dealing with fires. We've got Tornado Alley in the middle of the country. No matter where you're calling from, these tips are going to be universal in terms of if you've got to grab your pets, what do you do when you have to get out quickly? There's two main things you need to think about. One is making a plan in the first place. You got to have an overall plan. The second thing is to put together a disaster kit. We're going to tackle these one at a time. First, the plan. What is your plan? And is everybody in your family aware of the plan? I remember when Hurricane Hugo hit, and this was a devastating hurricane to South Carolina. It hit years and years ago. And we had a friend who saw that it was coming on the news and he called ahead of time and said, could I please come stay with you? I have two cats and a fish. And we said, of course. And so he came and stayed with us. And he had a plan that he did ahead of time when he first heard rumblings of this Hugo storm generating. You definitely want to work ahead of time. We're in the middle of the state. So while we got really bad winds with Hugo, I think they hit about 90 miles an hour. We did not sustain the damage that the coast did during Hugo. Charleston is still recovering from that hurricane. So you have to have a plan. First of all, your dogs should wear ID collars and tags with up-to-date information. If you're going to crate your dog during the day, you definitely want to keep that collar off because they can get caught in the grate of your crate, the door. Either if it's a wire crate, they can get caught there or the metal door. 
But you want to make sure that when your dog is out and about, definitely wear an ID collar and tags. You want to be able to grab them and put them on your dog because heaven forbid in a situation where you're trying to get out very, very quickly, there may be a case where your dog gets away from you. So you want to be sure that somebody can find your dog back to you. Plan with your roommate, spouse, significant other. What are you going to do? If both of you are at work, what's the plan? Does one of you go get the kids? One of you go get the pets? Are you supposed to meet in a certain location? Is there somebody at home that will grab the pets and then meet you at the local diner where you always have lunch on Thursdays? Where are you going to meet in case you can't get to your house? Have a plan ahead of time and know what that is. Make sure the family's up to date on that plan. Microchip your pet. And if you have that microchip registered, there's a couple different registries that do it where you can send them the chip number or your vet will hand it to you when after he's microchipped your dog or cat. Make sure that you keep the registry number on you in your wallet so you can call in case you're ever separated from your pet. Make sure you've written down that number ahead of time because heaven forbid your dog gets loose or you have to leave it somewhere and it gets tangled up with bureaucratic process. Remember Katrina? There was a lot of that at the time where people were not able to get to their pets and rescuers went in and got the pets and left them at local shelters and rescue organizations that had set up and it was very, very difficult to match the pets up with their people and it it caused a lot of uh, heartbreak, especially if those pets were later adopted. So if you're going to microchip your pet, that is awesome. Make sure the information with the microchip registry is up to date. It's a good practice at least once a year to go in there and update your information. Make sure they got your current cell phone number, your current address. Make sure all that information is current and keep the number with you just in case you're separated. Get a pet carrier, a crate, a travel bag for your pet. And please, please, please take this from a professional dog trainer. Train your animal to love the carrier before the catastrophe happens. We've got to crate train them. We've got to get them used to the carrier. Cats especially. Dogs also have issues with crates if they weren't properly crate trained. But cats can find them spooky and maybe they don't want to go into them. And maybe you only put your cat in a carrier once a year to take it to the vet. Well, chasing your cat all over the house, and heaven knows they turn into Swiss army knives when they're upset. They got nails coming everywhere, the fur is up, and they're slashing. Shoving that cat into a carrier while a tornado is headed your way is not going to be helpful. So you can absolutely train a cat to go into a carrier willingly and enjoy the carrier. You can make it a positive experience. Maybe that'll be a topic for another show. We can talk about that. But you can use target training, clicker training, make that crate really, really positive. I'll tell you some shortcuts in the meantime. You can feed your animal in its crate or carrier. You can put the food bowl in there so that they have to go in to get the food. They associate it with their meals. Mealtime is a happy time for most pets. And so you can go ahead and start building that good relationship with the carrier now. But you don't want to wait till the emergency hits. So make sure you crate train them. Make sure you carrier train them, however means of transport. You don't necessarily want to just grab the leashes. You should have leashes in your disaster kit, but you may have to have containment for that pet, especially if you're going to end up at a hotel or some sort of shelter that allows them. They're going to want them to be contained. You also may be more likely to get in if your animals have their own carriers or crates, so keep that in mind as well. Another thing you're going to do is decide where you can stay. As I mentioned, not 
every shelter accepts pets. That's what has happened in previous emergencies throughout the country. People have their beloved pets with them. They end up at the shelter where the news is telling them to go and the pets are turned away. And a lot of people won't leave. I don't know that I'd leave without my pets either. I just don't know that I could do that. So I don't blame you if you're in that position. I just don't think I could bear it to leave them. So we have to find a place where we can go with them. You can ask family and friends. Like my friend in Charleston who needed a place to stay, I said, absolutely. If you have friends up the coast or towards the middle of the country or wherever your disaster-prone area is free of that, local animal shelters may have some tips for you. Veterinary clinics, boarding facilities. Let's say you only have to clear out you know, a couple cities over. Call ahead. Call boarding facilities in those other cities over or state over and say, look, you know, If there was an emergency, what is the likelihood of allowing my pets to stay here? You'll find that these folks do step up during emergencies and they will post that information. But sometimes it's helpful if you have a plan ahead of time so that you know, oh, we're headed for this boarding facility or this vet clinic. I call this vet clinic a couple cities over and they gave me these tips. So again, plan, plan, plan ahead. There are websites that can help you find pet-friendly places. There's apps for your phone. Two that come to mind are bringfido.com or dogfriendly.com. Two of the ones that might be able to help you find a pet-friendly place so you don't have to leave your beloved pets behind. You can shelter there together. We're about to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about disaster kits and those zombie apocalypse tips I promised you. We'll be right back with Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dogs leave fur wherever they go. It collects all over the home. There are many tools designed to stop dog hair spreading, but their effectiveness varies, and afterwards you have to clean the tool, then the floor. With the Dyson Groom Tool, you simply deploy the bristles, then gently brush the coat. Loose fur is removed, while dead skin and allergens are captured by the vacuum. And to clean up, you simply release the trigger. To get this awesome Dyson Groom Tool, go to DysonDeals.com. That's DysonDeals.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Again, I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Today, we're talking about the zombie apocalypse, what to do in times of disaster where you have to evacuate quickly with your pets. It's bad enough pulling ourselves together, but when we throw our pets in, have you ever traveled with your pet? I think that my pets have more luggage than I do. And speaking of that, we have had a previous show on safe travels with your pets, so you might want to tune into that if you haven't heard it yet. I believe it was episode four. It's called Safe Travels. You're going to find it on the Get Positive Results section of the Pet Life Radio website, petliferadio.com. So check out episode four called Safe Travels because there's going to be some general tips there that can also help. But in terms of an emergency, it's really a great idea to have a disaster kit already prepared. I think this is where we all fall down. I think we kind of get the idea and maybe we call ahead and have a plan or we talk with it with our spouse or significant other, but having the actual disaster kit is where we fall down on the job. And I think this is the most critical because if you have to get out quickly, just think everybody's leaving at the same time you are. The traffic is going to be terrible. And the more you delay because you can't find shot records or you can't find something you need, that's going to put your life in danger, your pet's lives in danger. It's just going to make you more agitated and then more likely to forget something that you need for yourself too. So think about putting together a disaster kit ahead of time. You're going to need their pet food, in airtight, waterproof containers and water for, I'd say, two weeks. The CDC recommends two weeks. I like two weeks just in case. Hopefully, it won't last that long, but we've all seen evidence in the news of when it does. I had a situation with some friends of mine in the upstate, and this is another one of those life's little emergencies where they had a terrible ice storm. Now, those of you in the northeast of the United States and North Dakota are going to laugh at us here in South Carolina, but an ice storm is a big deal. And in fact, my friends lost power at their house for two weeks. It was two weeks before they got electricity back in their house. And what they had to do was stay at a pet-friendly hotel. And it took two weeks. So you never know how long these things are going to last. But two weeks is a little bit reasonable. You can put it in the car fairly quickly. You're going to bring food and water bowls. Don't forget the can opener. If you've got a cat and you're feeding canned food, if you've got the little flip top lids, that's great. If you're bringing wet dog food, you're going to need that manual can opener. You don't want something with batteries only to find out that the batteries are no good. So make sure that you are using, uh, bring your manual can opener. You're going to bring spare leashes and harnesses. If you are traveling with your kitties, you want to make sure you got a litter box and litter. You want to make sure that with dogs, you throw in some plastic bags for poop scooping. You want to make sure that's in there too. Especially if you're going to be holding up at a shelter, they're going to want you to clean up after your pet. Cleanup supplies are always great. I just keep them in the van, honestly, as a matter of course. I do train classes, uh, have hold training classes, so I have a lot of cleanup supplies anyway. But I have found them very handy when having to stop with dogs on the side of the road for various emergency pottying reasons with sick pets over the years. So bring your paper towels, maybe some spare towels. Bring your favorite enzymatic cleaner. Whenever I'm talking about house training, I recommend enzymatic cleaners because they break down those molecules that create the stain and odor, and so your dog won't go back to that same spot over and over again. But what they're also really good for is your laundry. So that might come in handy for you during this disaster as well. So bring your favorite enzymatic cleaner for cleanup in case there is an accident in the car or one that you need to clean up on the way. Bring your pet's medications for at least two weeks. Bring some treats 
They're going to be really, really stressed. So cookies help. Bring their favorite toys if you can, even if you just grab one. Bring photos of you and your pets. Again, what if they get separated from you? That would be terrible. So you want to make sure that you have photos on hand so you can pin them up if necessary or pin a picture of yourself up saying, you know, I'm looking for my pets. If you get a hold of my pets, please bring them to me. It never hurts to have photos and make sure that they're current. We all have those favorite puppy pictures and kitten pictures of when they were little, but that's not going to help somebody trying to identify your pet now that they're an adult or maybe now that they're a senior citizen and as they get what I like to call sugar sprinkles on their muzzles, you want to make sure that you got current photos. Make sure you keep copies of their important medical records especially a good summary of important medical history. I have had pets with cancer, so whenever I travel with them in the van, I would have a little note in my glove box that talked about their current medications, that they had had cancer. Maybe you have a pet that is allergic to something, and even the best Samaritan might accidentally give your dog a treat that your dog is allergic to or expose your kitten to the flea medication that your cat is allergic to. You want to make sure that that important medical history is in there. Always have a first aid kit. Keep in mind that first aid kits for humans and first aid kits for pets can be different. So you want to make sure that you've got one for both of you. You can get them online. You can get them at pet supply stores. The American Red Cross has them if you want to just buy one that's pre-made. You can put one together yourself, but make sure that you have a pet-related first aid kit. Also, keep a printout with boarding instructions. Ideally, we're not going to be separated from our pets. Ideally, we're all going to be able to stay in the same location until this disaster is over. But if you have to leave them somewhere, have the write-up already done so that you can just hand it over and then Go to your next destination during this terrible time. It's also going to make it much easier for the intake volunteers or professional staff, depending on where you're headed, to be able to take care of your pets if you have it all written out ahead of time. If you travel now and have to leave your pets behind, as I do, you're probably really good, hopefully, at leaving instructions. Mine are always typed out, printed out. And I have instructions for each pet and my expectations and what their likes and dislikes are and what cues they respond to. Think about what is it going to take for a complete stranger to take good care of your pet. You don't want to write a novel because they're not going to have time, especially in an emergency situation. So do bulleted points, but have the highlights, but have that handy just in case you do have to leave the pets in a quality place and then perhaps go to a shelter where they didn't take pets. You could leave them at a boarding facility or with a veterinarian, and then you had to move on to the shelter with your family. Sometimes this happens, so you want to make sure that, again, you're just prepared. So you're going to make a plan. You're going to have your disaster kit ready to go. You want to also update that disaster kit. If you're really good and you have one, that's wonderful. Every couple months, take a look at expiration dates on those canned foods and and the food. I think your litter is going to be okay. But you want to make sure that you are checking those expiration dates, making sure it's not out of date. Uh, At least, let's say, twice a year. You want to go in, make sure that the medical information is still accurate, that your microchip information is still accurate in terms of any phone numbers that you might need, any boarding instructions are still accurate. Just update it every six months. And that way, again, if you have to, you can grab this backpack, put it in a small bag, head out the door. It's going to definitely, definitely make it to your advantage should this occur. 
And this can happen whether you have to bunker down for a tornado. If you do know that there's a hurricane coming, you want to get out of town. We've again had some friends with fires in California having to leave You know, last minute. Sometimes they think the fire is headed one way, then it turns because of the wind. So these are the types of tips that will help you for all of these disasters. I hope none of them happens to you. And I really hope we never have a zombie apocalypse. But I promised you some zombie tips, so I'm going to actually give you some. Of course... I'm a professional dog trainer, so I started thinking about what three cues do I find the most helpful? What three behaviors for my dog would I find the most helpful in a zombie apocalypse? And I will tell you that I came up with three. One is leave it. You don't want your dog biting the zombie. That would be nasty. Yes, your dog may want to protect you from the zombie, but you know, dogs like to roll in dead things and you're going to have a whole population of dead things wandering through town. Your dog's probably going to want to roll all over them and that's just disgusting. So a good leave it is really going to come in handy. You also want a rock solid recall coming when called. You want your dog to be able to perform that cue no matter whether there's zombies or riots or anything going on. If you call your dog one time, they should come running to you and you can absolutely train that with clicker training with positive methods you never want coming to you to be a negative experience for your dog you want your dog to have a rock solid lightning fast recall the last one i thought about was a good hush cue no barking depending on which zombie lore whichever zombie lore you follow or or, or if watching tv apparently some believe that loud noises could attract zombies so you want your dog to be quiet wouldn't that be terrible you duck into this alley evading the horde of zombies and then your dog sees one and starts barking his full head off announcing your location to the zombie horde I've had Shelties in the past. Heaven help you in a zombie apocalypse with Shelties. You might be a goner. I love Shelties, but oh gosh, they love to talk. You might be able to get the Shelties to herd the zombies. Maybe we could get all these little barky herding breeds to herd the zombies into one location, put them to good use. But the barking could be your downfall. So teach your dog a good hush cue. And actually, these three things would work for any disaster you have to go through. You want your dog to leave it, especially if they're being housed with other animals that are not known to you. You want them to come when called. You're coming home in a panic. You want to call your dogs once, have them run to you so you can leash them, get them in the car, evacuate. And a hush is just convenient. If you are going to stay in a pet-friendly hotel, they don't want your dog barking his head off in the hotel room either. So these are good cues for every day. But in a zombie apocalypse, they could really come in handy. For additional resources on what to do for disaster preparedness, there's emergency.cdc.gov. That's a website. That's the CDC's website. They even have a zombie graphic novel you could download. But emergency.cdc.gov, they have an entire section on pets. So it's a really, really useful website. Another good one is the American Veterinary Medical Association, the veterinarians, avma.org. That's avma.org. So those are some additional resources to you. Hats off to the CDC for a great zombie campaign. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it helpful. And as always... You can find me on the web at getpositiveresults.com. 
I've also launched a new TOD Anderson page on Facebook where I'll be updating information about this show on Pet Life Radio. And I've got some books coming up in September that are about to be launched and some speaking appearances too. So if you find me on Facebook, you'll get all the scoop there. As always, you can also email me at teodi at petliferadio.com. That's T-E-O-T-I at PetLifeRadio.com. I'd like to thank my producers for making the show happen. I'm sorry that we're out of time, but thank you so much for listening, and stay safe out there. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.